0: Come up our guest speaker for the evening hallelujah <coughs> he's he was born in argentina all right hallelujah. let's just welcome him up all right praise the lord andres Pisoni. let's give jesus a hand he's the only one who deserves all their glory we love you lord we're here for you lord we're here for you jesus Wow, what a powerful thing that the Lord is doing among the English-speaking community here in Korea. You know, I'm part of the Spanish-speaking community in America. <laughs> 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 so we are the minorities over there. You're all the minorities over here, you know. <laughs> so we can kind of relate, you know. They give us the worst times of the day to have services, you know, and they kind of keep us on the side and... Uh, But believe me, the Lord is raising up a revival in the Hispanic community in the United States that I believe is going to affect the American church also. And I believe the same thing is going to happen with this community right here in Korea. God's going to light a fire that's going to spread through this nation and through the nations of the earth. I believe it with all of my heart. Even this weekend we saw the Lord touch so many Korean believers And I could sense that many of them was the first time they experienced the Holy Spirit in that way. You know, it was the first time for many of them I can sense that they were being touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord used this weekend to touch many lives. And it's just wonderful to see how God used your lives for for that fire to spread, uh, to begin to spread even to the Korean community here. And uh, I've been an admirer of this nation for a long time because I read a, a lot about David Yonggi Cho, and, and, and he's been a major inspiration in my life. So to me, it's a privilege also to be here in this land and see what God is doing and continuing to do here. But I believe God wants to take it to a higher level, you know? <laughs> higher level. I was reading about Korea that is the second large, uh, the second nation that sends the most missionaries to the world after the United States. That's amazing. That's awesome, you know. But I believe there's always higher levels that we can go with God. And we got to be number one, amen? (laughs) This is a fire conference. May 25th, 1999. Almost in in nine days, it's going to be exactly ten years. That's when the Holy Spirit touched me with His fire. It's a day that changed my life forever. When I experience the fire of God in my life, people will tell me, oh, just an experience. It will go away in a couple months, you know. It's just the first love. You know, then you're going to come back to normal. It's been 10 years, and it's still burning even brighter than ever before. The fire is never going out. And like Pastor Christian said, there is a cost and there is a price, but it's worth to pay that cost. It's worth to pay that price to burn for Jesus Christ in this world. There's nothing better than to burn for the kingdom of God and to be a light And wherever you go just to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news. And you say, why am I here in Korea? It's the fire of the Holy Spirit. Why do I go to the countries of the world? It's because I've encountered the love of Jesus Christ through the fire of the Holy Spirit that transformed my life forever. And I can't stop. They try to stop me, you know. People tell me to stop, to slow down. I can't. I got to go, got to go, we got to go, we got to go, we got to preach the gospel, we got to pray for the people, we got to pray for the sick, we got to deliver the oppressed, we got to preach the gospel to the nations. When you have the fire burning inside of you, it's like a force that does not allow you to stop. That's what we need, the fire of the Holy Spirit in this generation. And this is something that the Lord has prepared for our generation. I see a lot of young people here. And it's the fire of the Holy Spirit what God wants to pour out in our lives on this, on this generation. But what we have to understand about the fire of the Holy Spirit that I want to speak to you this evening is to take it into context of the whole message of the fire of the Holy Spirit. Because many times we just take the fire of the Holy Spirit because that's the beautiful part about it. That's the part that we enjoy and that we love. But we got to understand that the fire of the Holy Spirit was just a part of a whole message. And it's the whole message that God wants to bring to our generation. And it's this whole message that God wants you to carry to your generation and to this nation and to the nations of the earth. This message of the fire of the Holy Spirit was a message that God gave to a man called John the Baptist. If you have your Bible, we're going to open it in the book of Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is who who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the, and the name, and the same John, and, and the same John had his clothing of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea went out to him and all the region around about Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But seeing many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And, and now also the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Therefore every tree which does not bring forth fruit is cut down and cut And cast into the fire. Verse 11 says. I indeed baptize you with water. To repentance. But he who comes after me. Is mightier than I. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. With the Holy Spirit. And with fire. Hallelujah. John the Baptist. Was a pretty weird guy. You know. He dressed in camel's hair, he ate locusts, he lived out in the desert. But there was such an anointing on his life that people would come from all of Judea, from Jerusalem, from far away, into the desert to hear him speak. He had a burn. he was like a burning fire in the midst of the wilderness. And I, I drove through that desert. You know, last year when I was in Israel. And there's no life there. There's nothing. There's no reason for you to go to that place. There's nothing nice about it. But multitudes would come to hear him speak because he has a message from the Lord. He was filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And his message is the same message that the Lord wants to bring to our generation. I want you to listen very carefully. Because it's the word word of the Lord to you tonight. And this is a word that God wants you to carry in your spirit for the rest of your life. And for many of you, what May 25th, 1999 was to me, May 16th, 2009 is going to be to you tonight. It's going to be a day that's going to transform your life forever. It's a message to prepare the way of the Lord. The message is this. Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's on His way. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And He's raising up a people to prepare the way for His coming. It's the spirit and the power of Elijah what God is releasing on this generation. It's the same spirit that was upon John the Baptist. It's the same calling that was upon John the Baptist. His calling was to prepare the way for the first coming of the Lord. Our job is to prepare the way for the second coming of the Lord. The first thing that John the Baptist will say is repent. Repent. What does repent mean? Repent means to turn away from your sin and to return to the Lord. You cannot experience the fire of the Holy Spirit without repentance. Repentance. You can experience His presence, you can experience His touch, you can even be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be touched with the Holy Spirit. But if you don't truly repent from your sins, you will not be baptized with fire. Because the Holy Spirit is holy and He will not dwell in an unholy vessel. You cannot live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve the world and serve the Lord. You cannot expect God to touch you with His fire and to anoint you with His power and to anoint you with His spirit when you live a double-minded life. It takes a decision on your part to say, I'm going to turn away from your sins and my sins, and I'm going to return to the Lord with all of my heart. With all of my heart, I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to say no to the sins and the things that this world is offering me. And I'm going to live committed 100% for Jesus Christ. It's not an easy decision. Because this world has a lot to offer. Especially to our generation. It's offering more than any other generation has ever been offered. Because what God has for you is so much greater than any generation has ever experienced before. And that's why the enemy wants you, to, wants you to, to, to take you away from what God wants to do through your life. By you not fully surrendering and repenting from all of your sins. If you want the fire of God, you must repent of your sins. There's no other way. You must turn away from all of your sins. If not, he will not touch you. I was ministering in Atlanta, Georgia. And sometimes I get this, you know, that mothers bring me their sons to pray for them, you know. They want me to change their sons, you know. <laughs> they think I can do it, you know. And and they forcefully bring him to them, you know. And this time the, this mother brought me this like 18-year-old young man. And you could tell he did not want to be there, you know. You could tell, like she had him by the arm, and he was dr- she was dragging him to the altar, and he was like, you know, like full of pride, and he was like, you know, what am I doing here? Okay, mom, you know, and just stood before me, and 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 the mother started telling me like how he was not serving God anymore, how he had strayed away from the Lord, and how his heart and he turned everything about his life, and he's kind of like looking down and okay, go about it. So I just told her, you know, just let me talk to him by myself, you know. So we took him to this. I took him to the side, and I began to talk to him. But I don't know if you ever talked to somebody and you felt like you were talking to a rock. <laughs> you know, I would just talk to him, and, he, and he's like, the words were not just were not getting to him. You know, he was like, you know, I don't feel anything. This, this is what he was said. I don't believe in. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. This is what he was said. I don't feel anything. I don't. I don't feel anything. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. And I was just talking to him, and I was, came to a point where I was like, I, I don't know what else to tell this guy, you know? I told him Jesus loves him, that he died for him, that he gave his life. He's like, I don't feel it. I don't know it. I don't believe it, you know? I'm Just full of pride. But suddenly, I just felt the Holy Spirit just come like this. And when the Holy Spirit came like this, he dropped his head, and he said these words, I need, out of the blue, he said, I need to change. And when he said, I need to change, the fire of God fell on him and he fell forward on the floor and began to weep and tremble under the power of God. It was like half an hour later, we were leaving the church and he was alone on the altar being baptized with the fire of the Holy Spirit. But that fire would not come on him unless he said, I need to change. I need to return to Jesus. I need to live fully for him. Tonight, there's a decision that you're going to make? Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to live for? Are you going to fully live for the Lord? Are you going to return to the Lord with all of your heart? Are you going to serve Him fully in Him alone? Are you going to make a decision to let go of lust, of pornography, of drug addictions? Are you going to make a decision to let go of what this world is offering, of promiscuity, of these things of this world and say, I'm going to live fully for God? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to continue to live the way I'm living. If you're going to continue to live the way you're living, Don't expect the fire. We can pray all you want. We can pray. You can shout. You can dance. But you're not going to get the fire. The second point of the message of John the Baptist was the message of reconciliation. The Bible says in Malachi 4.5, Behold, I am sending you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of of Jehovah, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the sons, and the hearts of the sons to the fathers, that I not come and strike the earth with utter destruction. Luke 1.17 says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the second greatest problem I encounter in our generation when I minister. We as a minister, we do miracle crusades, and I love doing miracle crusades because I was going to be I was going to be a medical doctor, so it's a lot easier to pray for them to to read all those books, you know. (laughs) So I love doing miracle crusades. I love to see the Lord heal, you know. I love I, I just love to step out in faith and pray and go into places, you know, and just declare that our God is a good God who loves people. But the Lord also called me. To minister to young people, to youth, and sometimes we go into youth events. And the main problem you always find is sin, but the second greatest problem that we find is something that's called unforgiveness. Is that the devil's come to place a division in families between fathers and children and between children and fathers. Between sons and fathers, between fathers and daughters. There's come a division that the enemy's brought to this generation. And you see families destroyed and you see sons that grow up without a father. And you see children that have no mother. And you see families that have been destroyed and their fa- parents are divorced. You, have, you see bitterness and anger towards their parents and the parents towards their children. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is bring Reconciliation to people's lives. If we don't forgive others, the Bible says that God cannot forgive us. And there's a point in your life when you need to make a decision. Say, I'm going to forgive my father for all that he did to me. I'm going to forgive my mother for all that she did to me. I'm going to forgive them for abusing me, for betraying me, for abandoning me. And just releasing them. And as you do that, the Lord will turn your heart towards your father. And he will bring healing into your family. And he will bring restoration to your life. I was ministering in Austin, Texas. And this young girl came up to the altar. And she told me, I don't want to live anymore. She showed me her wrists, and she had scars, cuts on her wrist. She would cut herself with knives. She said, I don't want to live anymore, she said. And she she was crying, and she said, I'd rather feel physical pain than feel the emotional pain that I feel inside. I asked her, is there anyone that you need to forgive? She said, yes, my father, abused. So I said, are you ready to forgive him? She said, yes, I'm ready to forgive him. We prayed. She forgave her father. The Holy Spirit came upon her life, and she fell to the floor, and she began to weep and weep and cry and cry and cry. The service was over, and she was still at the altar crying in the presence of the Lord. I left. I was driving back from Austin to Houston, and I get a phone call from the pastor. The pastor tells me, Andres, that girl that the Lord touched at the altar, her heart has been restored. The Lord restored the joy of her salvation. But not only that, when she went home and she began to undress and she looked at the scars, the scars had completely disappeared from her arms and from her legs. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what the fire of the Holy Spirit does. It not only sets you free, but it heals you, it delivers you, it restores you. It restores your heart. And tonight... If you want the fire of the Holy Spirit, if you want to burn for Jesus, if you want his passion, if you want his desires, you need to make a decision to forgive others. If you're not willing to forgive, don't expect the Holy Spirit to touch you. We can pray for hours, but he will not touch you. Because if there's unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible says that God cannot forgive us. But if we forgive others, God will forgive us. The fourth point that I want to share with you, and this is what I believe is going to bring the greatest revival that we've ever seen on this earth. And I believe this is what gonna, what's going to keep the fire burning in your heart. It's a message of intimacy. Go to John chapter 3, verse 27. John chapter 3, verse 27. And John answered and said, This is John the Baptist speaking, and men can receive nothing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witnesses to me that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice, then my joy is fulfilled. This is amazing. But the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Elijah, was upon John the Baptist. And what the Holy Spirit does, is he opens your spiritual eyes for you to be able to see into the spirit realm. And while everybody, when they saw Jesus, they thought, wow, that's a great teacher. They called him rabbi. Wow, he's the son of Joseph, the carpenter. Wow, you know, what great miracles that he does. When John the Baptist saw him, you know what he said? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew that Jesus Christ was the sacrificial lamb that will take away the sins of the world. But not only that, when he saw Jesus, you know what he called him? The bridegroom. And this is the revelation for our generation. The revelation is this, is that you can fall in love with Jesus. Is that what God desires from you and from me is a relationship like a bride has with his bridegroom. That type of intimacy, that type of love, that type of relationship is what God is looking for from you and from me. Most Christians in past generations, they have seen God, and we see him as our father. And we say, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you know what is true. He's our father, and he's a good father who loves us as his children. Others see Jesus as a friend, and the Bible says that he is our friend. We're not his slaves. He's our friend. But very few, when they look at Jesus, they say, there's the bridegroom. There's the bridegroom. What does this mean? That you can love him in the deepest type of relationship that there you can experience on this earth. And that's the relationship between a bride and a bridegroom. It's a relationship based out of love. This is the first and greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Is this and this alone was going to keep the fire in your heart burning. It's not going to be your passion for the lost. That's going to twinkle down. It's not going to be your passion for mission. It's not going to be your passion for prayer. It's not going to be a, your passion for pastoring. It's not going to be your passion for people. It's not going to be anything else. All those things are going to come and go. But if you love him enough, you're going to be faithful to him to the end. If you love him enough and if you truly love him, if you truly love the Lord, you're going to have passion for the lost. If you truly love the Lord, you're going to have passion for prayer. What motivates you to come? Christian was talking about prayer movement. What motivates you to pray? What is it that motivates you? Why do you come to pray? Or why you don't come to pray? You come to pray because you believe your prayers are going to save Korea? What motivates you is simply to see a revival? Or what motivates you is because you love Jesus Christ? It's because you love him and you know that he loves this nation. And he loves the people who are lost in this nation. And you love what he loves because you love him. Therefore, you're into everything he's into. If you love him enough, that's what's going to keep you faithful. If you love him enough, you're going to want to spend time with him. You know, when I met my wife for the first time, I went a little crazy. Love will do that to you, you know? You start doing things that are not reasonable, that don't make sense. You know? And all the people tell you, but that's crazy. Why are you doing that? They don't understand. You're in love. When you're in love, you, you, you believe all things are possible. I would call her up on the phone, and I'm not lying to you. We will speak seven hours a day on the phone. <sighs> She lived in Colombia, South America, I live in the United States. I would buy these calling cards ten dollars, seven hours, five dollars, three and a half. So when I was short on money, I would buy the three and a half hours, you know, and the three and a half hours would run out, and I would go run to the store and buy another card and come back and call her back again, and the seven hours would run out. and yeah, I just wanted to talk to her. you, you said, "What did you talk to her about i don 't know. <laughs> you know." But all I wanted to do is talk to her. I didn't want to talk to my friends. I lost all my friends. I didn't care about anybody else. I just wanted to be with her. I just wanted to get to know her. The same thing happens with Jesus. When you're in love with Jesus, you want to spend time with Him. Why don't you come to pray? Why is it hard for you to pray? It's very simple. You're not in love. You're not in love. Because when you're in love with someone, you want to be with that person. You enjoy his company. Prayer is spending time with the Lord. Prayer is not simply declaring. Prayer is intimacy with God. It's getting to know God. It's getting to hear his heartbeat and feel his heartbeat. It's getting to know his nature. Getting to know what he loves. Getting to know what he doesn't like. And saying, God, I want to draw near to you because I want to be one with you. That's prayer. That's prayer. That's deep. That's going deep into the heart of God and becoming one spirit with Him. When I, then I would, you know, cross oceans to see my wife. You know, when I when I got engaged, I spent all the money I had on a little ring. You know, I'm like, that's so crazy. You know, why did I do that? <laughs> but you're in love, and you just don't care about anything else. You care about that person. You want to give her gifts. You're willing to cross oceans. The same thing happens when you're in love with Jesus. You're willing to give everything for him. You're willing to cross oceans to please him. You know why do you think I'm here in Korea? Why do you think I go to the nations of the world to preach the gospel? Last year, I traveled 16 countries. I spent more time away from my home than in my house. I went with miles 10 times around the world. <laughs> why do I do that? Money? No, you're wrong. Fame? No. Why do I do that? It's because I love him, you know? And my love for him motivates me to serve him and give my life for him. The same way that your love for your wife should motivate you to give your life for your wife. Or if you're a girl, for your husband. You know, and to love them unconditionally. It's out of that intimacy with Christ where revival is birth. It's out of a people who are crazily and passionately in love with Jesus It's where revival is birth. It's where people are willing to give their lives for the cost of the gospel. It's where people are willing to leave everything behind to follow him and to serve him. It's when you love him enough and when you're in love with him. If you do what you do for people, that's humanism. That's not the gospel. If your motivation today is anything else, you got to say, Lord, I want to return to my first love. I want to live a life Deeply and passionately in love with you. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say come. The spirit and the bride. Until the the church, we as his people have an identity as his bride. We're not going to be able to come into unison with the spirit and be able to say come. Come and drink of the water of life. Freely, because that water of life, the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit flows out of a relationship of intimacy into this with the between the bride and Jesus. It's a message of intimacy. This is the most beautiful thing you can have in your life. Is to know that you don't need a boy to be happy or a girl to be happy. That a man will never satisfy all of your needs, that a girl will never make you happy like you want to be you think you're going to find your perfect man or your perfect woman that's only in the movies but you will find it in jesus christ you will find true love and unconditional love someone who loves you just the way you are and for who you are and not for what they can you can give them someone that's going to be there for you who will never fail you who will never leave you who will never forsake you you will not find another love in this world like the love of jesus christ you won't you won't You can look everywhere else, but you won't find it. And when you find it, don't look back. You know, go after him with all of your heart. And last but not least is the message of the fire. Matthew 3.11 says, John the Baptist speaking, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist said, you know, I baptize you with water. How many of you have been baptized in water? Good. If you haven't been baptized with water, this next week you need to talk to your pastor and say, Pastor, I need to baptize me in water. Because it's a commandment of Jesus Christ. What happens when they baptize you in water? They take you to a river or a swimming pool. They grab you and they dunk you under the water. And if there's still sin in your life, the pastor will keep you there for a little bit. You know, make sure sure you just get it all over, you know, and then he'll bring you out. What does that mean? You die to an old life, you're born again to a new life with Jesus. You die to your sins and you're born again to Christ. That's the baptism of water. But the Bible says there's someone more powerful than your pastor. Even more powerful than pastor Christian, whether you believe it or not. Someone more powerful than any evangelist, than any teacher, than any prophet, than any any person that's ever walked on this earth. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's not going to baptize you with water. The Bible says that he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus will stand in a river of fire. And he will submerge you on living fire. On the fire of the Holy Spirit. And that fire will purify you from every filth in your life that fire will just cause you to fall in love with jesus that fire will put a passion in your heart for the things of god that fire will make the things of this world just fade away and lose their importance that fire is what's going to motivate you and empower you to be a witness of jesus christ that fire that gives you power to pray for the sick and see them healed. Is that fire what gives you authority over demons for them to flee before you? Is that fire what makes your words spirit and it makes your words life to convict people of sin and to reveal the true gospel of Jesus Christ? <clears throat> we need the fire of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus baptized me with fire, I was on my way to go into medical school. I had my plans. I had my life set, you know. I went on an exchange program back to Argentina where I'm originally from. I went to study for six months. I had two classes left in my career. I was graduating with an economics degree, and I was already accepted to go to medical school. And I went to Argentina, and I found myself in the middle of a revival. I didn't expect it, you know. I just went regular to church, and I found myself in a revival, and I was like, what is this? Why are these people nuts? Why is, why is there so many people in church? Why is, you have to stand in line to get into church? Why are people so hungry for God? Why do people just cry out to the Lord? Why are these miracles happening in this place? Why, why is God doing this with the young people where they get together and just cry out for the nations and they want to pray and they want to go? Why, why is that? And that's when they all spoke to me about the Holy Spirit for the first time. And I said, I know Jesus, I know who Jesus is, I know who God is, but the Holy Spirit is a mystery to me. And there's a hunger that began in my heart to get to know the Holy Spirit. And I said, Holy Spirit, if you're real, I want to know you. I want to have an encounter with you. I want you to fill me. I want to I want to experience who you are. And I began to seek him and seek him, and the first thing the Lord placed before me is sanctification. Which means repentance. You cannot have the fire without a sanctification of your soul. How do you sanctify yourself? It's by repenting of your sins. There's no other way. There's no easy way. It's by making a decision to die to the desires of your flesh to live for Jesus Christ. And I begin to do that. You know, I was a Christian, but I was lukewarm. (laughs) The the type that the Lord likes to spit out of his mouth, you know. And... um, after about three months of being in the midst of this revival, we went to a youth conference to another city. As we were driving, we went to a youth conference. The Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way. Everybody was getting touched. Everybody was receiving except me. <laughs> Everybody was experiencing God. I was like, God, what's wrong with me? You know, why don't, I, don't, I don't sense anything. I don't feel anything. You know, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was hungry for God. Driving back, we were coming up back on a bus. And a friend of mine sat next to me. We began to talk about the Lord. I told him, I am seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to me, let's pray. I said, right here in the bus? Yeah, right here in the bus. I said, okay. You know, it's amazing, but the Holy Spirit not only moves in church, He'll move in a bus, in your house, in your school, wherever you go. He'll move when you're in fire. That young man next to me was on fire for God. <laughs> And we began to pray, you know. I'm, come, I'm from a Baptist church, so we're they teach us to go like this, you know. <laughs> so I just went like that, closed my eyes, and I began to pray like usual. And suddenly, just the glory of God invaded the bus. And every single young person in the bus began to pray in tongues out loud. And it was like a river just came into the bus. And I felt, I literally felt like a fire just came on top of me. And it's like this liquid love was poured out inside of my heart. And something just began to burn inside of me. And said, like, Tris, ran through my arms. And I just felt the love of God just surround me and this glory come around me. And for the first time, I began to hear the voice of the Spirit speak to me. And he said, Andres, the decision that you made has come up to my presence like a sweet fragrance. From this day forward, I will be with you and I will never leave you and you will be with me and you will never leave me. And he began to speak to me. He began to show me things to come because the Holy Spirit will show you things to come you want to know the purpose for your life you know what the reason you're here you don't want to know why god created you there's only one person who can show it to you and his name is the holy spirit and he showed me exactly what he wanted for my life i'm not lost i'm not confused i know why god created me i know what my mission in this world is i know exactly what it is because the holy spirit showed it to me And when you encounter him, he will show you to you too. He will show you dreams. He will show you visions. He will give you prophecies. He will reveal to you the mysteries of God. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you the depths of God. Two hours, I fell on the floor, weeping like a baby. All I could do was cry. You could have hit me with a baseball bat on the head, and I would have not cried as much as I cried that night. I cried so much that I was just soaking wet in tears. My whole shirt was just wet in tears. When we got to the place, I lost consciousness. I was out. I was completely out. The next thing I hear is like, in the name of Jesus, get up. <laughs> <laughs> in the name of Jesus, get up. And I'm on the floor. And I slowly get up and I'm kind of like drunk, you know. I'm like, what just happened to me, you know. But I felt literally like Thousands of pounds were just taken off my shoulders. I felt free healed inside. Well I got out of the bus and I began to walk in the street and it was winter next to the Andes Mountains, so there's snow, it was very cold, but I was hot. And I would just walk in the street. It was like two o'clock in the morning, I was just stretch out my hands and I felt like I was floating, you know. You feel like you're high. You know, I never done drugs, but I guess that's what it would feel, you know. <laughs> But you feel like you're high, you know, you feel like you're floating, you feel like you're walking in a cloud, and you feel his love, you feel him just surrounding you. You were like, wow, this is so amazing. This is so awesome. It's the presence and the fire of the Holy Spirit. One encounter with the Lord. That's all it took for me. I didn't need three, four, five, I didn't need six. I just, one encounter is enough for me to serve him the rest of my life. Because what you experience when you experience the fire of the Holy Spirit, you experience his love. And he said, love that the Bible says surpasses your understanding. I can tell you Jesus loves you. You can sing, yes, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know. And you can know about it. You can read about it. But you will not truly know it until you experience it. You need to experience the love of Jesus for you personally. Not the love that he loves everybody else, but he loves you and that he knows you by name. And when you experience his love personally, you'll be willing to let go of everything to follow him. it's impossible to say no to him it's impossible his love is so deep i'm going to read you some testimonies of people who experienced the baptism of fire and they were mightily used by god every man and woman that i ever looked that i saw in history being used by the lord at one point in their life they experienced the baptism of the holy spirit and fire you cannot be used in this world for the glory of jesus without the holy spirit it's not you who God wants to use—it's not your your talents or your gifts. It's the Spirit working in you. And if you're not filled, if you're not anointed with the Holy Spirit, how do you expect God to use your life? Madame Jean Guyon, in the 17th century, 1600s, history says that a Franciscan monk shared the message of salvation through faith in Christ with her. That day, she encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time, and her life was forever transformed. She described. The incident by writing, I experienced those words in the canticles. Your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore the virgins love you. For I felt in my soul an anointing that healed all my wounds in a moment. I did not sleep at all that night because your love O God flowed in me like delicious oil. And burned as fire that was going to destroy all that was left of self in an instant. I was suddenly so altered that I and others could hardly recognize myself. And then she went on to write I felt at this instant deeply wounded with the love of God, a wound so delightful that I desired it never might be healed. That's the fire of the Holy Spirit. John Wesley. Revivalists. A group of young men had gathered to pray on January 1st, 1739 in London, England. John Wesley was among them and he will relate their experience by writing. About three in the morning as we were continuing steadfastly in prayer. The power of God came mightily upon us in so much that many cried out for exceeding joy and many fell to the ground. As soon as we recovered a little from the awe and the amazement at the presence of his majesty, we broke out with one voice. We praise you, O God. We acknowledge you to be the Lord. John Wesley had encountered the Holy Spirit and his ministry will never be the same. They reported after that in his meetings. This is what was reported. Some sunk down and there remained no strength in them and others exceedingly trembled and quaked. Some were torn with a kind of convulsive motion in every part of their bodies. As he preached, thousands were convicted of sins and the birth of the Methodist church came through this revival. Catherine Kuhlman, she wrote when she was 14 years old, she was a church in a Methodist church. And she wrote, I was standing beside my mom, and the hands of the church clock were pointed at five minutes before 12 o'clock. I can't remember the minister's name or even one word of his sermon. But something happened to me. As I stood there, I began shaking to the extent that I could no longer hold the hymnal. So I laid it on the pew and sobbed. I was feeling the weight of conviction and realized that I was a sinner. I did the only thing that I knew to do. I slipped out from where I was standing and walked to the front pew and sat down in the corner of the pew and wept. Oh, how I wept. Catherine Kuhlman had encountered the Holy Spirit. Charles Finney. He described it. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seems to come in waves and waves of liquid love. I wept aloud with joy and love and literally bellowed out the unutterable g- gushings in my heart. The waves came over and over me, one after the other, until I recalled crying out, I will die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear it anymore. Yet, I had no fear of death. Charles Finney in the 19th century. God used him to bring revival all over the United States and England. Evan Roberts is one of my favorite ones. September 29th, 1904. Evan Roberts was seeking a deeper experience with God. And he encountered the Holy Spirit. He described the event. When others prayed, I felt a living force come into my bosom. I held my breath and my legs shivered. The living force grew and grew and I was almost bursting. My bosom was boiling. What boiled me was the verse, God commanding his love. I fell on my knees with my arms over the seat in front of me. And the tears and perspiration flowed freely. I thought blood was gushing forth. For about two minutes, it was fearful. I cried, bend me. Bend me, bend us. After I was bent, a wave of peace came over me. And I thought of the bending at the judgment day. And I was filled with compassion for those who would be bent on that day. And I wept. Henceforth, the salvation of souls became the burden of my heart. From that time, I was on fire with a desire to go through all wells. And if it were possible... I was willing to pay God for allowing me to go. (laughs) That's the fire of God. He was willing to pay God to let him go and preach the gospel. Today is the other way around. If you don't pay people, they don't preach, you know. (laughs) But when you fill with the fire of God, you don't care about finances. You're ready to go. These people were touched with the fire of God and they made a difference in their generation because they were touched by the fire of God. I can read you testimony after testimony after testimony. Of what God does through the fire of the Holy Spirit. This fire that God is bringing on this earth. Jesus said, how I wish it was already kindled when he was on here on earth. But it was not kindled yet, but it's kindled now. And he wants to pour it upon your life. He wants to bring this fire in your heart for you to be a carrier of the fire of the Holy Spirit. For you to be an instrument in His hands to prepare the way of His coming. I want you to listen to me. Jesus Christ is coming back. And He's coming back for a church, for a bride. He's coming back for a people who've been set aside, who've been sanctified and purified by His blood. And who are deeply in love with Him. Let's all stand this evening.